0: Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Well, well, well. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. Uh, welcome to Sunday and welcome to spring as well. Snow, hail, <laughs> 22 degrees. Well, welcome to a week a week of spring. And um, uh, my name's Steve, and it's just been such a delight uh, going around some of the uh, our sites at Westside. Let's give a big whoop whoop to Westside. <laughs> It's been awesome, these last uh, few, uh, three or four weeks being there. And also our Battersea crew as well. Um, we've, we've got a bit of a renegade here from Joel, who's part of our Battersea site. Uh, and all those online as well, just welcome, welcome, welcome. It's such a privilege to, uh, to meet uh, lots and lots of people these last, last few weeks as I've, uh, as, I've traveled, as I've traveled around. Not like the Apostle Paul traveling around. <laughs> but um, it 's been, been wonderful it 's been absolutely wonderful. Um, we are carrying on our, our series on our journey with Jesus and the steps that Jesus took and the people that J- Jesus met along the way. Uh, we 're kind of taking a bit of a, uh, a crossroads now and we 're heading towards the cross uh, with Jesus. So um, I just had a few questions. I always kind of asked myself what are some of the questions I, I want to ask? Uh, myself, as, I, as we prepare for the talk, and so we're going to be looking at the Garden of Gethsemane and where Jesus, uh, when Jesus, he prayed. And hey, he prayed. <laughs> How is your journey with Jesus right now? How is it? How how's it going? Um, where is Jesus as you travel through your your journey of life? Where is he? Um, many of us could give a kind of Sunday school answer, can't we? He's right by her side. He's holding her hands. Uh, but what about when relational trauma kicks in? What about when suffering or sickness or uh, financial storms happen? Where, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus then? Does our closeness to Jesus change when challenges come alongside us? And that's what I'm hoping I'm going to attempt to uh, uh, prod a, li- a little bit for, for us all. Uh, I've dedicated this message to all of those, all of us that are suffering right now. Those with PTSD, long-term sickness, health issues, those of you who are in the middle of a crisis at home, in relationships or at work, Uh, those of you who are in in absolute crushing emotional uh, uh, trauma at the moment, or you're just facing challenges, I believe that this message of Jesus in the garden is going to, uh, and as we unpack it, uh, we might have some answers for us. Uh, let me just say this right from the start. If you are a human here, maybe you haven't responded to any, anything I've said already. If you're a human here, you're either in, in the middle of a storm, you've just left a storm, or you're about to enter into one <laughs> at any moment <laughs> as well. <laughs> Uh, Jesus, He talks about the kingdom of God being here, about being present, about being at hand, within our reach. Uh, People are healed, lives are transformed, signs and wonders occur at any moment. At the other time, Jesus talks about the kingdom of uh, being not yet. It's coming, but it's not quite here. It's a future reality. It's our hope beyond the present. In other words... Some people are healed, some people aren't. Intractable social issues still remain. Jobs are lost, hunger continues, war happens, suffering is real. And so our theology of the already and the not yet of the kingdom enables us to believe on one hand, for God of the miracles... And we'll have a theology of the miraculous now, present, at any moment. People can be saved, healed, delivered at any moment in the name of Jesus. But we also, on the other, other hand, we trust God in pain. We trust God in suffering. We, uh, we have a theology of suffering. And we believe that both are necessary for healthy Christian spirituality. And so as we journey uh, towards, towards the cross... Uh, We're journeying today with Jesus' sufferings. So um, uh, let me pray. I I think I'm probably need to pray for you. Uh, So Jesus, I bless all those that are listening to this. I I bless all of those that today you're going through uh, emotional storms right now, relational issues. Father, may something of this message Uh, impact, touch, inspire, uh, bring revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, the Old Testament, the the, the Bibles, we have the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Old Testament is full of these deep prophetic passages that reveal a great deal about Jesus as a man of sufferings, Uh, particularly in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah Uh, contains huge swathes of prophecy uh, within its pages. And uh, one of the prophetic passages we have here, uh, Isaiah, he spoke of a man who would come, who would live a life of pain and hardship. One verse says this, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. So, Isaiah was pointing towards this man of sorrows, uh, Jesus. The Holy Spirit here is showing Isaiah a glimpse of life of Jesus where he is rejected in his hometown, betrayed by the people who loved him, and suffered for others. Uh, and if we think about the life of Jesus, most of his life is defined by hardship. Uh, and the culmination of his ministry is this life of substantiary, substitutionary atonement. Ultimately, Jesus will return. He's going to come back. He's going to come back not to suffer. Isaiah pointed to the first coming of Jesus, this man of suffering. When he comes back again, he comes to rule and to reign. And so as we come to this passage, I I just want to just restate suffering is part of humanity, right? Uh, but how we choose to react in the middle of suffering, that's the issue. That's, that's the question for today. And I, I just want to propose what Jesus went through in the garden of Gethsemane that night he was betrayed can help us in whatever situation we're finding ourselves in. So let's go to the passage. We're going to read from Luke. I think the words are going to come up on the screen. Uh, uh, and he prays on the Mount of Olives, Luke uh, uh, Luke 22, verse, verses 39 to 46, that this, uh, this, uh, this account is found in all of the Gospels, and we're just going to touch on the, gospel in, the, the account in Luke. Verse 39, Jesus pr- went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew withdrew about a stone's throw away, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. An angel appeared from heaven to strengthen him, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he arose from prayer, he went back to his disciples. He found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. This is the word of God, and it's absolutely true. And it was written and given to us in love. Uh, But this is one of the most intense passages of Scripture. This is probably one of the most emotional moments we've ever seen captured in the Bible. The heartbreak that Jesus went through in this moment. And so the the name Gethsemane, uh, I just want to kind of land on a little bit. It's made up of two Hebrew and uh, Aramaic words. Uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce it. It literally means oil press. These two words, oil press, and uh, the garden was uh, positioned prominent, predominantly upon the western slopes of uh, the Mount of Olives. We've got a, a map of uh, of what that what that might look like. So on the on the right of your, of the page, you see you see where the uh, Mount of Olives was located, and the gospel tells us that garden was this favorable rural location that Jesus and his disciples, they visited more than once, uh, and probably many times, many, many times. Not only was it a suitable place for prayer and fellowship for this tight band of of disciples as they kind of moved away from the city, uh, from from the curious ears of the big city, But it was also it was located here on the path towards uh, Bethany and Bethpage, which Jesus often often visited. And so the actual historic uh, setting of that commercial enterprise of olive oil production, and uh, just popped into the local. uh, So this was this olive oil would be in the (laughs) lid lid is on. According to the manner they would have harvested uh, these, uh, these olives uh, from, the, from the mount. And they would have gone through a process of uh, crushing uh, so that the precious oil was extracted under this great, great pressure. And so you, you see that there. According to the, uh, the Gospels, Jesus led uh, the disciples to the garden following the, the Last Supper which again was a symbolic time, I kind of asked myself, why there? Out of all the places that Jesus would spend his last moments with the the disciples, why there? There And I just want to propose, there was something about that place that acted as a spiritual metaphor for what he was going through. You see, just before going into the garden... Jesus, he spoke really clearly about himself, about his divine identity, about his mission, about his place on earth, about this special relationship between himself and his father, between himself and the disciples, between him, the disciples and his father. He talked to them about the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the coming persecution and this new covenant that he himself ratified during the Passover meal with his own flesh and his own blood symbolized in the bread, and the bread and the wine that they shared. And so after this historic moment, Jesus then led his band of disciples into the garden as another act of symbolism. Um, it was in this very garden that somewhere amongst those ancient olive trees uh, that Jesus agonized in prayer, prayed to his heavenly father as he prepared his soul for the cross. And we'll never understand, it's unfathomable, the suffering, the separation from himself and the father alone, not only to become sin for me, sin for us, but also the atoning sacrifice for all humanity. We will never understand that, that pressure, even before he was led to the cross. You see, Jesus was our substitute in every way. Do you know this? He was rejected so that we might know security. Do you know that? He was made sin so that we might have righteousness. We might be called righteous. He was this man of sorrows so that we might have his joy. Do you know that? And so he died so that we might have his life. His body was broken, literally broken, so that ours uh, would be made whole. The fact that this event took place in the oil press is symbolic and powerful. The entire process of the production of of oils is implying increasing pressure these are too ripe. Uh, in Christ... <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for a moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> more and more weights were placed on the olives. More and more pressure was placed on the olives to extract the, um, uh, the precious oils. Each additional weight extracted more oil from these crushed olives until they were absolutely exhausted. So that's a picture of... Uh, That's a picture of what it looked like for the olive oils to be crushed. Pressure, pressure, drained. And according to tradition, there were three successive crushings that took place where pressure was gradually increased, increased. The first pressure produced the purest of virgin oil. Extra, not just even pure, extra virgin. (laughs) And so this virgin oil is, was used for anointing in the temple courts and sacred services. The second stage of pressure, more weights were placed on. And this additional pressure produced oil for cooking. And then the third one was for lighting of lamps and for cleaning. We, we don't really do that. We don't really use oil, olive oil for lighting lamps and cleaning anymore. We might have to soon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So make me an offer. (laughs) In the Matthew account of the garden, it describes Jesus going going three times to his disciples. Uh, This is what it says. My father. This is in Matthew. My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, the second time. He went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came, and again, he came, found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So, leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Can you see the symbolism? Three times crushing. He's called the Messiah. Uh, I love what Joel was, the the song, his name. Uh, Jesus' name is Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. Anointed with what? Oil, olive oil. He would have been anointed with olive oil. He was set apart as a king of Israel. And as a king, you had to be anointed with, with holy oils, as well as a priest. You had to be anointed before stepping into the service in the temple. So here he is in the garden, knowing he's the Messiah, knowing he's the priest, knowing he's the king of kings, in the place where the oil is produced by crushing. As he prayed, he's about to be crushed by the weight of our sin. And it was in this garden that, I want to say, his life calling, his mission, literally came crashing down on him just as the successive weights come upon the olives to produce oil. To get the the full oil out of the oil, you had to crush it, not once, not twice, but three times. Each time more has been squeezed out of him. Each time uh, he's been crushed. Uh, Let's just go back a little bit. Just before going to the garden that night, he spoke very clearly about his. I've said that. <laughs> I thought I'd said that. That's why you need page numbers. <laughs> Each time he's experiencing more and more weight and the burden of my sin, your sin. Turn to your neighbor and say, Your sin. Trying to get a bit of humor into this uh, into this talk <laughs> uh, and you notice this in the in the Luke account more and more weight is placed on him until the third time the third and final crushing where blood begins to pour out of his skin he goes to his disciples and uh, each time, he says, are you willing to tarry with me? Are you willing to go through what I'm going through? Are you willing to journey with, with me? They were asleep <laughs> uh, over the last 12 months, 15 months, as I have been recovering from COVID and chronic fatigue. Uh, I've been sleeping a lot. And so I can relate to some of the disciples here, plus the struggles I've had with depression, depression, ptsd not being able to physically exercise i can wholeheartedly relate to these disciples Um, viv describes the the last 12 15 months as viv describes her experiences with the lord it's like footprints in the sand as she looks back there weren't just two footprints with her and god it's just one set of footprints and she's she describes that god's been carrying her my experience has been slightly different. As I've looked back, I see these kind of drag marks <laughs> where <laughs> there's one set of footprints <laughs> and God's literally been... Dra- I feel like God's literally been dragging me <laughs> through, <laughs> through, <laughs> through the last sort of 12, 15, 15 months. As someone who... Lo- I love seeing people healed, saved, delivered, set free find faith in Jesus. This season, personally, has been one of the most challenging in terms of my own theology um, and my own philosophy of ministry. No one enjoys suffering, right? uh, (laughs) Put your hands up if you enjoy suffering. (laughs) No one enjoys suffering. Most people across the globe recognize that suffering is normal in a fallen world. But Western culture... Particularly, our culture, London culture, city culture. On the other hand, is we've glorified the values of safety, comfort, um, instant gratification, convenience, and, uh, and anything less is akin to some kind of violation of human rights. It's, it's that kind of deal. Um, uh, I just wanted to give you five things that I've learnt through, uh, through the years of suffering. I was going to put five things I've learned about over the last 48 years of suffering, just to kind of reinforce that I'm younger than Viv. <laughs> 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 but I'm not that cruel. <laughs> so I've just put... And there are <laughs> <laughs> um, here, here are five things that I, I've been learning about suffering. Um, to endure suffering without compromising my my Uh, integrity Uh, 10 days ago I had a I had like a a stone drop on me someone told me something which was like a like an instant trauma if you like and um, I looked at my whiskey cabinet I was tempted it was like 12 o'clock in the afternoon Uh, instead I went to watch Batman as a (laughs) as a kind of a form of escapism just to kind of uh, shut myself off for a, a few hours, but there's something about suffering that provokes our integrity. We lean on other types of escapism when we when we suffer. Um, so we, I, I just things I've I've learned just endure it without compromising. Uh, number two, just trust God in the middle and seek still to do good. It's easy to shut down the part of our side which calls us to, to do the works of Christ, to, to pray, to, to seek, uh, to seek uh, relationships, to, to pray for those in need as well. Often in suffering, we just back off. We back away from, uh, from doing good. Uh, number three, I've, I've definitely learned that my experience of suffering has been a, a basis for uh, comforting others. And uh, for those of those of us who've suffered greatly, we can see suffering in others and we can relate compassionately towards other people, and it's fantastic. As I travel the road, number four, learning to fix our eyes on Jesus is probably the, the number one thing. As I said at the beginning, where is Jesus on, on the road? And in the middle of suffering, just trying to... Push away the things that are in front of us to kind of keep our eyes on Jesus are really, really important. Uh, this is at, at all times as well. Um, this one I'm I'm definitely work in progress. Uh, I'm comman- I, I, I've realised, like a new Christian, I'm commanded to rejoice and share with Christ's sufferings. Amen. You know, when you read a scripture and you go, "Oh, I haven't." I haven't quite seen that before. But we're commanded to rejoice and to give thanks and to share with Christ's sufferings. Well, what are Christ's sufferings? I want, to, I want to make some final proposals. The olive is valuable, it's a really valuable fruit. It's one of the most valuable fruits. But the oil is only produced through crushing, you can only get the oil through suffering. You and I are valuable. And I want to suggest that suffering produces glory. Suffering produces your glory. What I loved about um, reading this and just meditating on this was just how honest Jesus was. Honest to his father. You see, knowing the horrific price that he would soon have to pay, he would have to bore the sin on, and the atonement for the sin of the world. Jesus was honest and genuine with his Father. We, we read, it says, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Is there another way, Father? Surely there's another way than not, not this way. He's praying. And he realizes, third crushing, not as I will, but as you will. And this great confession triggered and sealed Jesus' fate, sending him to the cross and to the grave. He went through death and hell and he resurrected victoriously and the ascension to the Father's side. But it was in this decision, in this garden, that produced what we have today. It's terrible for us to even imagine that, this, that the Son would be separated, that he would have to separate himself from the Father. He enjoyed perfect fellowship with his Father. The light of the world soon would be plunged into utter darkness for our sake. And we read, according to Luke's account, that all of this pressure, all of this weight, all of this agony... Just came crushing down, deep sorrow during his prayer. It was so intense, so exhausted that he sweat drops of blood. Blood was mingled with sweat. And so I want to just have another perspective on, on this garden story. See, Luke, Luke here, he's a physician. He was describing an actual medical condition called. Hmm, hematidrosis, uh, in which a person literally sweats drops of blood. And this rare condition can stem from various causes, high stress, high excessive exertion, causing the blood to press through the membrane of the blood vessels and penetrate through the skin. Hmm, Impossible to imagine, isn't it, the pressure that Jesus went through which caused his capillaries to, uh, across his forehead, to burst. Just uh, we cannot imagine, and so his blood then mingled with the sweat. Uh, Jesus was literally sweating his life away. God had to send an angel to him, to strengthen him, to strengthen him so he wouldn't die, before even reaching the cross. And this is this is our hope. Do you suffer with anxiety? depression, PTSD, trauma? Do you, <laughs> do you overactively worry? Do you have a long-term brain condition? Have you had an accident on your, on your head which has caused uh, irreparable damage? Do you have long COVID, chronic fatigue? Uh, is your brain still foggy from the uh, long-term effects of COVID? I've been saying my, my foggy brain is now turning into a bit of a mist. So it's getting better, but it's not as, not as thick as it, as it was. I want to propose that this scripture is your springboard if you, are physically, if you need physical or emotional healing. You see, in scripture, we're taught that every time blood was shed, it has atoning qualities to it. Throughout the Old Testament, we, we read that blood must be shed for atonement. Uh, and so animals were, were sacrificed to mark this symbolism. But we read in our, the Old Testament, this well-known tradition of sacrificing blood would atone for forgiveness. The Old Testament, though, then, they then declared that this suffering servant would not only become the final blood sacrifice for forgiveness but all kinds of physical healing. Let's go to the next slide, Jet. Tess, let's go to the next slide. We read this, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was, see that word there? He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Read this, by his wounds we are healed. And so when it comes to forgiveness, we look, at, we look at the cross for our forgiveness because the blood that was shed, the sacrifice that was made on the cross. As I've meditated over the last 20 years, when Jesus shed blood from certain parts of the body, each of his wounds bears significance for us. So what's the significance of the blood that was shed in Gethsemane? I want to propose a particular agony that he went through can help us for all kinds of healings, for emotional problems, depression, mental illness, migraines, all kinds of brain disorder. Not that God compartmentalizes like an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but by a way for us to concentrate on specific aspects of Christ's suffering, we can quicken our faith for ours, for our healing and others' freedom, what Jesus has done to, for us is, can become more real and powerful as we use our spiritual. Again, it's not; it's not we're trying to imagine in some kind of weird New Agey way, but we're spiritually perceiving to understand His pain that He suffered might provide for our healing. The same with the cross. We look to the cross for our forgiveness. We look to the cross for our salvation, our eternal life. I want to propose, instead of us looking vaguely at Jesus, we can zero in on specific aspects of his suffering, which are relevant to our own problems. By his wounds, we are healed. And um, by the shedding of Jesus' blood... God has already provided for our healing. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. Jesus cried that out on the cross. When Jesus' sweat drops of blood over his head, he provided healing for all kinds of emotional, mental, uh, migraines, anxiety, stress, worry, trauma. It is finished, Jesus said on the cross. And so a great life study for some of you is to study the wounds of Jesus in the last 24 hours uh, of, of his life. Spend a year studying about the suffering servant. And again, I want to propose we can zero in whatever you're suffering with at the moment, whatever you're going through at the moment, we can zero in on the garden, zero in on Christ's suffering uh, for, our own, for our own healing. All our emotional spiritual healing can be done there. Uh, I want to just land um, the suffering of Jesus. It teaches us um, to have faith not in the laying of our own hands. There's nothing magical about that. It's not in our faith or that of any kind of pastor or preacher behind a pulpit. It's not in any kind of prayer or a model of prayer or a sacrament or a ceremony. Eating these olives aren't going to get you healed. That's basically what we're saying. It's not what you do that gets you healed. It's who you look to that gets you healed. Jesus was was died, and that's who we look to. Jesus suffered, and that's who we look to. It was Jesus who sweated the drops of blood in Gethsemane. Jesus who went to the whipping post. He endured his back being lashed raw. Jesus who had his coat stripped from him and had the crown of thorns placed on his head. It was Jesus who was thrown against the piece of wood. Who had the nails driven in his feet and in his, in his wrists. Jesus who hung on the cross. And then the spear wound at, on his side. And it was Jesus who cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we could be healed. So that we could be set free. Can you see him? I just want to invite you. Can you see him? I mentioned earlier uh, those of us who are suffering with any kind of brain condition. It, uh, be, be brave, and across Battersea and West Side and here, maybe you're at home, maybe you're watching this years from now. If you suffer with any kind of anxiety, depression, PTSD, you're going through an emotional trauma at the moment, you're going through a storm. If you suffer from migraines, headaches, if you've had a, it might be someone you've had a, like a bike accident or, a, or an accident on the road and it's, it's affected your brain. Do you have chronic fatigue? If that's you, would you stand up right now? At Westside, at Batsey, online, would you just stand up where you are? I believe Christ is going to come and minister, minister to many, many people. Just stand up where you are at home. Just be brave. Stand up. Let's close our eyes. Let's close our eyes and, and receive. Just receive where you are. Say, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face look full I release your eyes to see him see the blood that was shed for you come Holy Spirit Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just keep receiving where you are. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.